I invite you to turn your Bibles to Romans 14. Now, do you know what uh, Satan was doing when Jesus was led out into the wilderness and, and he was being tempted there? Do you know what Satan was doing? You might be able to think of the specific examples, but really, in the end, you, you can get to the heart of it and say, what was he doing? He was trying to trip Jesus up. He was trying to cause him to stumble. He was trying to hinder him from doing what was right. And the amazing thing about the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness by Satan was that Satan was not tempting him with immoral things. He didn't dangle a woman in front of Jesus. He didn't dangle the freedom of the body from the worries by by just drunkenness. He didn't dangle immorality before Jesus. He knew that wasn't going to cut it. He, he dangled good and, and right things and things that seemed like, you know, that is, that is proper. But he, what he was trying to do was trip him up, snare him, trap him, prevent him. And it's so interesting when you think about him, him trying to prevent Jesus from obeying God, obeying Scripture, obeying what he was here to do on the path to the right way. He was trying to prevent him from doing that. It's very interesting because when you fast forward in Jesus' life, Jesus is beginning now, they're on their way to Jerusalem, and he he tells his disciples, we're going to Jerusalem because there I am going to suffer and I'm going to die under the hands of the chief priests uh, and of the uh, elders and of the scribes. He says, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die there, and then I'm going to rise again on three days, in, in the third day. And Peter took him aside And he rebuked him. He said, may it never be so, God. This is, Jesus, this is not the way. This is not what's supposed to happen. You are supposed to be our king. You're supposed to be our leader. You're not going to suffer and die. In one way, he was trying to prevent him. So what was Jesus' response to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. He says, you are trying to be a hindrance to me. What you're thinking is not from God. It's from man. You're thinking only what you can see. But he said to Peter, your hindrance and your hindrance to me and me fulfilling my purpose is satanic. It is from the devil himself, which is exactly what Satan tried to do in the wilderness. He tried to prevent Jesus from from being obedient and then even obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Satan was trying from the first moment to prevent that, to put a hindrance. And Jesus uses the word hindrance very specifically Here in our text this morning, we're going to see that same concept is hindrance, a stumbling block. Look at Romans 14 uh, with me. I'm going to read uh, beginning at verse 13. Romans 14 verse 13 says this. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and I'm persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in and of itself. But it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do you destroy the one for whom Christ died? So do not let what you do, uh, sorry, what you regard as good be spoken as of evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is uh, indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is not good to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. You see a resounding theme in this little section of Romans chapter 14. This, uh, even your Bible may even have that heading in there added in later by the translators. Uh, do not cause another to stumble. And it's obviously vital to the section. And it's really important when you think about the, the heart motivation. But you think about the, the hindrance that it might be. Because what would they be stumbling on the way towards? These people that are possibly stumbling and being hindered are on their way to pursuing a, a growing relationship with the Lord. They're, they're pursuing to glorify God in all that they do. And there's other people who are causing them to stumble and, and putting hindrances in their way for what? For their own preference. For their own preference. Look at verse 13. It says, Therefore let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. We looked at that last week. The reasoning, that's why the word therefore is there. God will be the judge. We'll each give account to God. So don't um, judge other people when it comes to their salvation. Do judge them when it comes to black and white issues. But rather, it says, second half of verse 13, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. What's very interesting is it's like not a contrast. Sometimes the word but is a contrast, right? Like it says a complete opposite thing. Here, when it says but rather, it's saying here's a priority. So you're going to be worrying about not judging other people. i got a greater priority. While you're doing that, also, but rather consider the fact that you're not just not supposed to judge other people, pass judgment on their opinions or their convictions, but rather decide. Decide. Very important word. Make a decision. Be intentional. It's on you to decide never to Put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. Decide. And decide now to never do it. And the, the decision is not just like decide one day to stop putting stumbling blocks. It is a decide now. Decide in this moment. You must decide. And it's funny because some, sometimes people would like to say that they don't have an opinion on something, right? They've already decided. That's a very true thing about LGBTQ issues. People say, well, I don't really have a decision. I'm not taking a side. It's like, well, you took a side. You know, every, there's no fence sitting in a lot of issues. There's no fence sitting. And people want to seem to think that you can sit on the fence about uh, many decisions or many beliefs or understandings, but you can't. If you say that you've not decided for uh, a more conservative position, that means you've decided for the less conservative position, or whatever have you. People have decided. And so here, he's, he's showing them, like, be intentional about your decision. Don't just let your flesh or the, the flow that you're in make your decision for you. Because your decision, if you're to just follow after your natural inclination, is self-preservation. If you don't decide to do otherwise, you're going to naturally be inclined to judge other people, and you're actually going to put stumbling blocks in their way. 
So you need to decide, if you're going to change this thing, and if you're going to do what is right, you have to decide in this moment to do something different. Because if you don't, you're floating down the stream, and you're going to cause stumbling blocks, and you're going to put hindrances in the way of other people. So you need to decide right now in this moment to put a stake in the ground and say, I'm not going that way. I'm just not doing it. I won't put a stumbling block in the way of a brother. So then you have to ask, well, what is a stumbling block? If I'm deciding today to not ever, to never put a stumbling block in the way of a brother or sister in Christ, what is a stumbling block? I have to know. And I have to know um, why not. And I have to know what that might look like in my life or in theirs. And that's where uh, it really involves community, right? Because a stumbling block for one person might not be a stumbling block for another So you have to know people. You have to be in their lives. You have to listen to people well. You don't just get to railroad people with all that you say and all that you think and all that you do. To know what a stumbling block is for someone else is you must listen. You must listen carefully to them if you're to decide never to put a stumbling block there. So here in this context in Romans 14 and specifically in this section of Romans 14, the stumbling block for them was eating of specific foods or refusing to eat of specific foods. That was the stumbling block. And we know that because uh, he says it a little further down, uh, verse 17, he speaks about eating or drinking. Uh, Verse 20, not for the sake of food. So here specifically he is speaking of food and drink. Because as we know from Romans 14, there were two kind of camps in this church, in in this place. And some were saying, well, you know, certain food is unholy and we still can't eat it. You know, you can't eat pork because it dishonors God and so I won't do it. And I refuse to do it. And there was those, but then there was those who said, no, we're free. We are free in Christ. Christ himself said it. We can eat anything. And, and Paul even himself in this passage says, it is clean. Everything is clean to eat. And, but there's still some people struggling with convictions. So he says, in this context, decide never to put a stumbling block into place for them. Don't do it. Don't let them stumble over your freedoms or whether you think um, something is different than what they hold to. He addresses the same sort of issue in the church at Corinth, too. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 8 to 13, he says this. Uh, speaking of the whole food issue, he said, Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat it, and we are no better if we do eat it. But, this is really important, he says, but... Take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. So you recognize they had the right to choose. They had the right. This was one of those opinion things, one of a a conviction thing that it's not a black or white. It's kind of a gray matter, uh, especially in their time and era. It was gray and it was really something they struggled with still. But Paul says, you have the right to eat the food. He says, I agree with that. But he said, take care. Decide today. Pay careful attention not to let this right of yours somehow become a stumbling block. So so it's really hard work to think, how might this cause a stumbling block for the weak? He carries on in that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, for if anyone sees you, um, uh, you who have knowledge, as in you're mature, if they see you eating in an idol's temple, uh, will he not be encouraged? As in he'll go do it too? But if his conscience is weak, uh, he'll go and eat the food offered to idols. And so by your knowledge, your freedom, your, your maturity, this weak person is actually destroyed. A brother for whom Christ died. Thus, this is sinning against your brother and wounding their conscience when it's weak. You sin against Christ. 
Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, Paul said, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. And so, for us, it's interesting because the food and dietary laws aren't really a thing. You don't have people standing up in church and say, unless you're vegan, you're not a Christian. Or I'm struggling with my faith, and so I better become a vegan because of my faith. You don't have people uh, who would say that. That is, if anything, it's very, very rare uh, that someone would say, well, it doesn't honor God the way we slaughter animals or something. But I think that's a rare position. So for us, this, the whole conversation of food and drink is, kind of seems really far removed from us. And we think, well, how does this apply to me today? And um, how am I supposed to know what, what this not only means, but... How am I supposed to live it out tomorrow? Because that's the important part of a Bible passage is you read it. You want to know more about Jesus, and you want to walk closer with him. And that means do what he's asking and, and be like him. So what are we supposed to do with this? Dietary laws don't seem to apply to us, but the heart behind it does. When someone has a conviction or an opinion that's different than yours, that is not a black or white sin issue, there are many things that you have decided already, but... Maybe you've decided to just go with the flow and just do whatever you want because you have the freedom to, right? And so some people, it is still kind of relevant in some circles, in some churches, and in some areas even, uh, when it comes to, like, the dress code for women. Women should wear skirts in church kind of thing. And that could be a stumbling block. If you walked into a church where that was what they, they were convicted of and you walked in there with pants just because you had the right to, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. And, and this text says you shouldn't do it. It's actually wrong for you to do it. Because their conscience is, is captivated by this, that they think it just, they've come to this conclusion, that this honors God more. And so then if you're to walk in and you say, well, I have the freedom to think otherwise, and it doesn't matter what you think, all you're doing is thinking about yourself. And so it's not helpful. Same uh, conversation happens around alcohol. And we've, I've said this many times in Romans chapter 14, that's kind of uh, one issue that still exists is some Christians think that it's still unacceptable to touch any alcohol. Well, other Christians realize their freedom in Christ is you, you can uh, partake in alcohol as long as you don't get drunk. And so there's this uh, shifting uh, opinion on alcohol in a Christian life. Obviously, everyone would agree the Bible is crystal clear. Drunkenness is a sin. Uh, not being sober is wrong. But the sliding scale teaches us that you know, there was alcohol consumed. Alcohol is not uh, forbidden in the Bible. And so then you cannot forbid someone from having alcohol. So that's an issue that still kind of exists. E even in your own heart, you would have a position on that somewhere. You'd think, well, yeah, I guess I, guess I do. I guess I've either gone with the flow or I've decided that um, I, I think it's okay to drink alcohol or not to drink alcohol. And you might just think in wisdom, but some people think it's a conviction before God, right? Like it doesn't honor God if I do it or, or dishonors God if I don't do it. And so it's a position that is here where you must decide. To never put a stumbling block. So then, the, the example of the skirts or of alcohol is for you to decide to never put a stumbling block is you would say, if someone is convicted the way differently than I am, I'm not going to just taunt my rights and say, well, I have the right to do this. You know, uh, I, I'm having you over for dinner and I know that you're convicted alcohol is wrong, but I'm just going to have alcohol at the table because I have the right to do it. You, sure, you don't have to partake, but I'm just going to do it. Like, why do you need to do that? You don't need to do that. You need to decide today that it's not worth it because you might actually cause them to struggle. Maybe they've decided in their heart it doesn't honor God for them to have alcohol because they have a problem with it and they can't say no to it or they've gone too far too many times. And so 
You don't know that until you know them. And the more you know them, the more you're going to think about, might this cause them to stumble? Might they be weak in this area? Might they just be really strongly convicted that any alcohol inhibits your thinking and they don't want to do that? And so I ought to honor them because they are honoring God in their position. And so you need to know people to know how to not cause them to stumble by not putting stumbling blocks in their way. Here, obviously, specific to food, uh, verses 20 and 21 also say, Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, as in you can have alcohol, you can have uh, meat, you can have pork. But, he says, it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is not good to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. And so, everything is clean. But if a person is convicted otherwise, you're the one in the wrong. You're the one in the wrong for making them stumble, for making their consciences seared by your choice in their presence or with them. It's interesting because this idea of a stumbling block is putting things just to, to trip people up, to, to, to catch them off their guard. Uh, just because either you don't care or you're just ignorant or you just put yourself first. And so they end up stumbling over you and over your convictions. But the second part, it says, uh, decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother or an obstacle or dig a pit so that they fall into it. You're setting a trap. You know that, that you're convicted differently about alcohol and you know that they're, they're way too conservative for you. So you, you do it on purpose. You set a trap just to see if they'll blow their lid, just to see what they think. You're going to probe them. You're going to poke them. You're going to dig a pit and see if they're going to get trapped. It's wrong. They provoke people. It's wrong. And it's amazing when you put it that way is that the, this idea of a hindrance or an obstacle is like a trap. It's, it sounds way worse because it is. If you trap someone and, and, and realizing that they may even be sinned by your trap or, or what you had done or have not done, you realize that trapping people is, is deceptive and it's just really not the work of God. It's not the work of a new life in Christ. And so... You have to be careful then. Well, like, is what I'm doing, is what I'm convicted by, are, are my opinions going to cause anyone to feel trapped in their convictions or trapped to believe what I believe? It's an obstacle. The, the interesting thing is, well, you can come up and say, well, don't I have the right? Don't I have the freedom to hold my position? And, and even to be convicted strongly in my position, don't I have that Right? Don't I have the freedom and liberty to do that? Well, you do. Paul said it there in verse uh, 20. Everything is indeed clean. You have the right. But uh, verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 3 and 4 says this. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? He says, of course we do. Of course we do. Then he goes on into a discussion also in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 5, and for a little chunk there. He goes into a discussion about um, the wages earned for preaching the gospel, those who are preachers in the church, and talks about you know, how they have the right to that. Uh, and then he comes on at the end there, and he says, Nevertheless, in 1 Corinthians 9, 12, Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right. But rather, uh, we would endure anything rather than put an obstacle in in the way of the gospel of Christ. So he says, we had the right. We had the right to eat and drink whatever we wanted. We had the right to a wage, but we knew it was going to cause them to stumble. We knew they were going to struggle with it. And so he says, we did not make use of our right. 
but instead we endured anything. Rather than putting a stumbling block in the way of any of our brothers and sisters, we didn't make use of our right. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 says, Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. You see, the heart of it is who's in charge of your heart? What's your goal and even your convictions? You might say out of your mouth that your goal is to glorify God with your convictions and your opinions. But if in your actions you are in any way causing others to stumble or being a hindrance to them in their glorifying God, then it shows your heart motivation is purely self-focused. 1 Corinthians 10.24 again says, Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. And so then it says a little further down, 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 31 to 11, verse 1 says, So whether you eat or drink, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Give no offense to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of the many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. It says, I give no offense. I try to please everyone, which is him not saying he's people pleasing. Because obviously he began that whole section of whether you eat or drink, do everything for the glory of God. Do it so that God can be admired. So he says, I try to please everyone. Doesn't mean they come before God. It means he tries to not offend them. He tries to make sure that they are, uh, have their needs met and they are encouraged. I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage. That's the key. Not seeking my own advantage. How often are you concerned with your own advantage and your own comforts and your own everything? You're always concerned with yourself first unless you decide. Rather, decide today never to put a stumbling block in the way of other people. And so for Paul, he decided to put others first. He decided, he said, to not seek his own advantage. He decided to not make use of his rights. He decided to set his opinion aside because in the end of the day, it didn't matter. At the end of the day, his opinion about eating or drinking was not a sin issue. It wasn't an issue that was going to uh, destroy the salvation of another person. It wasn't an issue that was going to, if they ate the meat, they'd be better off with God. That wasn't the issue. So he said, it's not an issue. If they refuse to eat the meat... They're not going to be more or less loved by God, so it doesn't concern me. They're not going to more embrace the gospel or or refuse the gospel when it comes to their diet. So, you know what? I don't care. Even though I have the right to eat all the meat in the world, he says, I'll refuse to eat meat if it makes them stumble. If it makes them trip up in in their walk with God in any way, I'm not going to do it. He decided that day to not seek his own advantage. He decided that day to endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. That's why he said, let no one seek his own good. And look at uh, verse 20 and 21 here in Romans 14 again. So he says, do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by anything he eats. And it is not good. To eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes a brother to stumble. And so, lest you think this is just about dietary or just about alcohol, verse 21 says, 
Don't do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Now, of course, in our own families, in our own situations, our own circumstance, we have to know that. What is that anything? What is going to cause another stumble? What are their convictions? Uh, what are their opinions? And are they sin issues? And if they hold those positions, it, is it going to rob glory from God? Because if it is, it's something we can address. But if it's, it's no harm to God and His glory, it's no harm to the church, it's no harm to me or to them, they're free to do it, and I'm not going to stop them, and I'm not going to even uh, bear my rights and say, well, I have the right to a different opinion. I'm just going to say, all the power to you. How can I help you? That's what Paul is saying here. Because he says in verse uh, 20 there, it is wrong. It is wrong to do it, to make another person stumble. And then 21, it is not good. This relates exactly to uh, the passage I actually quoted in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. He said, if by your knowledge the weak person is destroyed, the, bro the brother for whom Christ died, says you sin against your brother's, and you wound their conscience when it's weak. He says, when you do that, you sin against Christ. That's why it's wrong. You sin against Christ. If you think it's just a matter of us, ah, just my opinion versus their opinion, we can duke it out. I don't really care if they're hurt by it. You know, I like, I like my opinion winning the day. He says, be careful, because you could end up sinning against them, wounding their conscience, and when you do that, you sin against Christ. You don't want to do that. That's why it says in, in here in Romans 14, it's wrong. It's not good. Don't do it. You don't want to sin against Christ. You sin against your brother. He says, that was interesting in 1 Corinthians 8, uh, you wound their conscience. Because their conscience, in their conscience, they're convicted that this is the right thing to do. So then if you just spend all your time trying to rattle that for no good reason, you're hindering them. And their conscience might be rattled. For what? What good is it when it's not a sin issue? For you to try to um, force it down the throat, and that's the whole point of judgment, right? Not passing judgment is like, don't declare that they are the worst person in the world because they don't do the same thing as you. But then also, don't cause them to stumble in what they do or by what you do. It's not just about letting them embrace their position or, or opinion, but it's about you sometimes refusing yours in their presence or, or even to their knowledge so that they're not struggling with that. You don't want their conscience to be wounded. You don't want them to feel like what they believe is, is, is disglorifying to God. That's why it says in verse 20 here and 21, it's wrong. It's not good. Look back at verse 15. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. Your brother is grieved by what you eat. Again, that's not anything that, sure, you have vegetarians and vegans get offended when you talk about meat and eating meat. It's not the same. To them, it's not a conviction of, of they think you don't glorify God because you eat such meat. But can you think of examples in your own life or in people you've met that have different Christian convictions than you and You've maybe grieved them by holding your position or by arguing against them for, for what? There, and there's nothing wrong with debate. There's nothing wrong with discussion about opinions. Obviously, Romans 14 is about passing judgment, uh, about legalism, you forcing your opinion on another person. 
Or, or you demeaning a person's position because you think it's less spiritual than yours. That's all wrong. It's all wrong. And it causes the other person to stumble. And here he says, you might grieve them by the way you even uh, talk about their position. That's something I struggle with when it comes to theological debates. Things that are gray, I guess you'd say in the text, I think they're pretty black and white, but at the end of the day, it is a gray issue. You can't argue from both sides of the text a certain position. And one example of that would be the end times, right? You know, uh, is it pre-trib or is it post-trib? Like, is Jesus coming back before the tribulation or after the tribulation? There are people on both sides of that camp who are scholarly, godly, faithful Christians, and they disagree on it. But it is never for the other to disqualify another person. It's not for them to judge them, demean their position, or put a hindrance in their way. And, and don't cause them to trip up or, or to be grieved because you want to argue tooth and nail about this thing and not in love. That's the whole foundational issue. Verse 15 says it. If they're grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. So then when you ask the question about, am I causing others to stumble? Am I uh, being a hindrance to others? Go back to the question of, am I walking in love? You can just start there. Am I walking in love? Even though I disagree with them, am I walking in love in how I approach them? Am I walking in love in how I speak about them and their opinion and their conviction? Am I walking in love? And remember what love is according to 1 Corinthians. It's patient, right? It's kind. It's not self-seeking. It does not envy. It doesn't boast. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. So am I walking in love towards this person? That's the heart foundation because if you're walking in love, you're going to, as Paul did, he's not going to count his own opinion as anything compared to them. He says, I'll give it all up. I'll give it all up if it means that they would be encouraged in the Lord. I'll give it up. I'll, I'll set all my rights aside. And you see Paul set a lot of his rights aside, including his right to freedom. He went to jail so that uh, the gospel could carry forth. And so you know he's serious when he says, I'll do anything to not seek my own advantage. Paul's Paul's true to that. So it's here, uh, look again at verse 15. For if your brothers agree by what you eat, you are not walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. That's a, always a really important thing to remember. Christ died for them. So that they would have the freedom to, to serve him, to glorify him, to live for him. He died for them. So why am I trying to trip them up? Or, or why don't I care if they trip up? I'm going to decide today to never put a stumbling block in their way. I'm going to decide today to not let my convictions ruin a relationship between another person and God. Or, or me and them. I'm going to decide today to walk in love. To not seek my own advantage. I'm going to decide today to not destroy another person. I'm going to decide today to not hinder another person in their opinion their conviction, when it's not a sin issue. Again, we talked last week about there is appropriate judgment. There is judgment where Matthew chapter 7, the idea, you know, don't judge. Well, the person still ends up pointing out the speck in the brother's eye. It's important. It's necessary. But, and, and it even comes to here. The motivation has to be right. Is it out of love or is it out of pride? And so really, you can always ask yourself in the, in the heart uh, of hearts is, am I walking in love towards this person? It's really the gauge of where you're at in terms of your decision. Because if you love them, you put them first. If you love them, you sacrifice for them. You don't sacrifice them. 
So if they're grieved, if they're struggling in any way, you sacrifice. You say, you know what? I'll set all of my advantage aside. I'll set all of my liberties aside. I'll set all of my freedom aside if it means that you get to walk with God and glorify him better tomorrow than today. I'm going to love you, so I'm going to sacrifice. What can I sacrifice? And sometimes that means sacrificing your really strongly held conviction about a thing. Just sacrifice it. Don't bring it up. You, you can still hold it. It doesn't mean you don't have to give up your opinion. But don't claim that right to other people. Think about walking in love when you approach a, a discussion. Even if you're having a discussion with someone you know you disagree with uh, on, on different gray matters, uh, approach it right away at the outset. It's just going to be in love. And am I going to decide today to not cause them to stumble in any way? Because that's what the text is telling us. It is wrong to cause another person to stumble. And so, if you hear that, the Bible ever tells you something is wrong, and you do it, you're walking in sin. May it never be so of us. May we be more aware of what is causing others to struggle in their walk with Christ and and ways that we are causing others to struggle because of a maybe too strongly held opinion or a public opinion. You don't need to post your opinion online all the time. You don't need to post your opinion on your front lawn. You don't need to post your opinion that is opinion, right? Again, we've talked about the difference between opinion and matters of first importance, that is Christ crucified. There's a big difference. Don't for the sake of your advantage or your opinion, cause another to stumble because it is wrong and it is not good because you're not walking in love. So then let us then be people who are aware of those around us, aware of other positions and opinions, aware even of what is gray matter and what is black and white. Because if you're anything like me, like I've said before, I just like black and white. I do not like the gray. I don't like the things where there's question. And even where there are things there are question, I've decided it's black and white. <laughs> right? No, this is the right way, and I, I can't see the other way. So that's something that I struggle with. I can't even see, I don't even want to hear the other way because it is so clear to me that it's right. I don't want to hear it. And so that's something I struggle with. And, and with that strongly held position and being so opinionated, often I can actually hurt another person who, who believes differently than me uh, about convictions or opinions. And I've mentioned before also in this chapter is the, the position on baptism. I'm a Baptist. And, but I have brothers and sisters in Christ whom I love and who I admire and whose preaching I come under as some of the greatest preaching of all time who are Presbyterian and who hold to infant uh, baptism. And so that's something I struggle with. Baptism is a huge thing for me. Uh, but I'm not for the sake of my opinion prevailing going to ever cut them down. And say, look, you've not even read your Bible. It's a joke that you would believe that. They're they're strongly held in their convictions and they do it to glorify God. And so that's something I struggle with. All these gray issues in in the text, in the Bible, I really struggle. And so then I have to decide in my own heart, entering discussions about and discussions with people of varying opinions than me on the gray issues, I have to decide. I need to walk in love here. I need to not walk on eggshells, but walk in a way that I know they're not going to feel hurt by what I say or, or by how I present my position or how I talk about their position. That's probably another way that I maybe I do cause hindrance and stumbling block is the way I talk about the opposite position. Maybe when they're not around or not there to defend themselves. 
Uh, I present it with a bias already, which is not fair, and sometimes that might cause a person to stumble. And so I need in my own life to be more aware of that. The positions I hold that are not necessarily black and white, I need to think how I present them and how I present the other side. When I talk about them, when I talk to people who hold them, I need to think about them and them first. And I need to walk in love and I need to decide today, as you and I all need to decide today, to never put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of someone glorifying God. So let us be those people who then apply this text so that it is not wrong. We don't sin against them. We don't sin against Christ because we think it's not a big deal. Or we're not going to hold a position on that. We're just going to float downstream, which is a decision. So let us decide today to never put a stumbling block in the way of another person. Let's pray. God, you are, you're perfect, and you don't struggle with any of the things we struggle with, uh, the convictions that uh, we hold based on our opinions or our experiences, then some of us are likely wrong, and we struggle with that sometimes, God, there's um, convictions of our practices, the way we do certain things in our life and our family, and, and the way that we say, this glorifies God, or this does not, and so we refuse to do it. Help us then, when we think about our brothers and sisters in Christ, to not put a stumbling block in their way. This does not, this text does not mean that we're to never preach your gospel, because we know that is a stumbling block to unbelievers. This text, God, is, is us in your church, with those whom, for whom Christ died. Help us to consider them, and to consider that in, in proper context, but help us to be listening people, to be people who love above all things, to set ourselves aside, but consider uh, those uh, not seeking our own good, but seek the good of others. Help us to apply this to our hearts and our lives in every uh, area. And we need your help in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.